player. Should go for goal. We deflected. Haywood here. Could be a lovely goal for Villa. Johnson. It is. Back Elsie Johnson. It could be nine. Open the body. Into the net. Superb goal from Melissa Johnson. Steps up and finds the corner. She gets the goal. They arrived as Aztecs, an Aston Villa women podcast by underagaslitlamp.com. Hello, we're back with another episode of They Arrived as Aztecs over a busy, festive period for Aston Villa women. Covering another handful of games and a load more news from the club. As always, I'm Regan, you can find me on Twitter at FindFoy, and I'm joined once again by Georgia. Thanks, it's nice to be back and talk about a run of games that wasn't interrupted by anything for a change. So we've got a bit of a mixed bag to talk about, but I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, the the start of this month, Aston Villa faced off against league leaders, Manchester United women, um, putting in a worthy display, really, against the, the unbeaten side that truly showcased how much Gemma Davies' squad has improved over the last two seasons. Before we go into the game a bit deeper, how, how good is it to see Aston Villa women go toe-to-toe with the league leaders when previous head-to-head results have been very much weighted towards Manchester United? It's definitely promising. Um, I think if you told me that we were going to lose 2-0, the main feeling I'd take away from that is that it could have been a lot worse. But actually, after watching the game, I felt like we could have even taken something from it. They had a lot of really big chances and so many shots on target, but we didn't do too badly in terms of chances either. So it's just a shame for me that we didn't come out of the game with something to show for it. How are you feeling? I know you predicted a loss, but um, after watching it, are you feeling any different? Yeah, I think I, you know, I expected a loss, but um, I, I didn't expect to, us to have such a, a good showing as we did. And you know, Gemma Davies uh, said after the game that it, it could have very easily ended with with Villa taking something from it, whether that was one point or three points. And I think you know that's the main difference in in the. Uh, in, in the squad and in the team and in the mentality there. You know, the last two times we played Manchester United, we've conceded 17 goals across the two games and scored none. Two of, you know, to Yeah, exactly. But, you know, to to have conceded only two, but but really test the the the, the club that are at the top of the league at the moment, it's it, you've got to be happy with it. Yeah, I think we're definitely getting there. And that confidence we've built from, you know, a few cup games, getting our first league win, I think that all went into that game against Man U. And maybe, you know, who knows, next time we could put up an even better fight. Yeah, hopefully. Um, It took just 30 seconds for for Manchester United to get a shot away in this game, with Lauren James almost making her mark early on with an effort that was fired just wide of Lisa Weiss's left side post. Villa weren't resting on their laurels, really. Um, they, they had an attempt of their own just three minutes later after some smart work from Sharnia Hales down the left-hand side, paired with a clever pass from Emma Follis, meant that Ramona Petzelberger was able to fire a flick towards goal. The effort just lacked in power. It was easily collected. But, 
you know, Davies side was showcasing that they were able to cause Manchester United women issues within the first 20 minutes as they continued to work the ball into the box. And the the, the visitors were really struggling to keep possession as, as Villa were pressing relentlessly and, and picking up a lot of loose balls. Unfortunately, however, the deadlock was broken in the 24th minute as Anita Asante lost the ball in Villa's final third, allowing Manchester United's Leah Galton to slip through on goal and fire calmly past Voice and into the bottom left. You know, in the last podcast, we'd, we'd praised Asante's ability at this level, but this was a really avoidable mistake. Is this the kind of thing that the side needs to cut out, you know, in order to be able to make progress in this league? Yeah, I, th- I think maybe someone as experienced and as successful as her probably, you know, could have and should have done a bit better. But at the same time, I think when you watch that dispossession, it's maybe less of a mistake and more of, you know, she was just outplayed a bit, I think. Um, it just epitomises the way United play. They're fast, they press high, they all seem to be on the wavelength, the same wavelength as each other in terms of, you know, vision, um and they won't let any defensive vulnerability go unpaid for. So I don't think there was any like super obvious error from her other than that, you know, she could have been stronger, had a bit more awareness of who was around her, um, where the opposition were positioning. Um, so I think it's just a testament to United's quality, really. Um, maybe something we can aim for in the future. And then it was a bit of a warning as well that we needed to be on high alert for this game. Um, you know, they're not going to allow us to comfortably play out from the back. Um, And just going back to that shot from James earlier that you mentioned, that was the first warning shot, really. Um, You know, she's such a good player, and I think we're lucky uh, that one didn't go in because I'm sure we would have seen it replayed a fair few times. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Uh, But despite, you know, despite conceding uh, within the first half an hour, Shania Hales could have equalised just five minutes later after a well-timed pass found her through on goal. But United's defence were wise to her and, you know, the angle was against Shania, really. Um, and she was really forced away from goal before she got a shot away and it was it was easily saved. Um, we, we had a number of chances. Uh, Shania had a, had a couple. Um, obviously, Ramona had, had one or two, but... You know, I think we were we were pretty competitive in the first half, but I think a lot of fans would probably think we should have done better with our chances. Do do you agree with that? Yeah, I think um, they made it hard for us, obviously, but it's not like we didn't have the opportunities to equalise. So it did make me feel optimistic throughout. Um, you know most of the remainder of the first half and the second half um, when it was still 1-0. But I think that last 10 minutes was just relentless shooting from United, you know, maybe a response to how competitive we were. Um, So I agree. I I wish we'd finished off one of those earlier chances. Um, Ramona and Hales, they they both looked the most lively, um, to me anyway, and I'm enjoying watching their link-up at the moment. So... Yeah, it was great to see them rewarded for that in the the Bristol game later on. Um, But what about you? You know, even with a loss, was there anyone that sort of stood out to you, someone to watch? Um, I think for me, the the, the player that I'm I'm focusing on the most in games at the moment is one of the new signings, and that's uh, Caroline Seams, the the left back. Um, You know, she's, she's very adept at getting forward, and we're seeing a lot of... Um, kind of link up play down the left hand side where she's kind of bombing forward, um, but she's she's fast. She she's strong in the tackle, and it it is really good to see. And I think her 
kind of play complements uh, Ella Franklin Frechure uh, on the right hand side, um, or as Meter Ale. So it's it, it it's good to see kind of the team almost gluing together a little bit more as as time progresses, and it's it's what you expect. You know, you you saw it with the men's side last season. It takes time for new signings to come in, and I'm sure there'll probably be more signings, uh, you know, next month. But I think for me, um, yeah, Caroline seems she's she's the person that's standing out for me at the moment. Yeah, I think she created some of the really early chances, didn't she? So she was like, you know, straight off the bat, she wanted to win this game by the looks of it. So yeah, it's a good attitude to have. So yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing more of her as well. Absolutely. In the second half, Emma Follis uh, forced the Manchester United keeper into an awkward save just five minutes into the half before playing a ball back into the goal mouth that Sharnia Hales connected with. The ball ricocheted up into the air before bouncing off the bar where it was eventually cleared. It was a very unlucky piece of play for Villa. Um, but, you know, United's Lauren James must have felt left out as just down the other end, just a few minutes later, she fired a long-range effort towards goal that thundered off the bar. Um and you know it was it was very much a game of of two sides really it wasn't a a game that was controlled by by either team but manchester united sealed their three points 2 minutes from the end as lisa voice rushed out to clear a ball over the top but only as far as ella Toon. she was able to lob the german goalkeeper from around 25 yards out it, it's not really the result we'd have hoped for but a good showing, nevertheless. You know, does it bode well that the number of goals we've conceded has reduced every time we've played them? Yeah, I think so. I mean, we've got such a bad record against Manchester United already. You know, they've barely been around a couple of years and they're already, like, someone that I'm really scared of. And now they're at the absolute top of their game. They're unbeaten this season. Probably the current favourites to win the league. So, yeah, it was a game that I think we both felt a bit nervous going into. I know we mentioned the last time the importance of not getting our ego bruised. Um, so, yeah, we're conceding less against them each time. Started with 12, then 5, and now we're down to 2. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to the next one. Sounds like we're on track to steal a point off them. <laughs> Hopefully. You, you mentioned not getting your, your ego bruised, and I think that's exactly what we did. We we gave them a good game, um, and, and it was very important that we conceded only two goals rather than, than more than that, because obviously the following game was against um, fellow relegation candidates in Bristol City Women. Um, and yeah, we, we played them midweek, bottom side at Twerton Park, and... It was it was a good game for Villa, especially. You know, Villa were creating clear cut chances in the first half, but struggling to put them away. Um, and it was really mere minutes before the end of that half uh, against Bristol City that that Villa women were able to take the lead. Emma Follis drove into the area from the left before squaring the ball across the goal for Ramona Petzelberger to slot home. Bristol City pressed higher in the second half and attempted to place more pressure on the Villa defence, but it didn't really work. Um, the, the, they did have their chances. You know, the, There were a number of times in the opening 10 or so minutes of the second half, which Leisha and Dale made exceptional challenges and blocks to keep Ebony Salmon and company at bay. Now, I'm, I'm not really a fan of comparing Aston Villa women players to, to Aston Villa players, but Dale really reminds me of Tyrone Mings in her style of play. She's very dominant in the air. Very, very good with the and very strong with the ball at her feet. How important is she to this side? 
Yeah, I know what you mean about that. You know, they are their own players in their own rights with their own roles to play. But I think it can be helpful sometimes. I mean, like if somebody, um, you know, is just getting into the women's game, it's quite an easy way to get to know some of the women's team. Um, you know, I see some leadership qualities in her, the way that she, you know, speaks to the other defenders and stuff. That is similar in a way. So I do get what you mean. And I really like her as well. Um, I think she's quick thinking. Um, she's a defender that makes me feel quite comfortable when she's on the ball, which I think says a lot. You know, that's so important. <laughs> Do you think that perhaps she's she's a player that that could be a part of this squad for the long term? You know, we saw when we got promoted that there was a, a quite big overhaul, very much once again like the main side last season. Um, where older players or players that they didn't think would perhaps be able to take the step up um, w- w- were released. Do you think that Alicia and Doe can kind of um, stand the test of time and, and, and be a, a regular fixture in this squad as, as it continues to evolve? Yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, I think she's got a lot to offer um, in terms of, obviously, she proved herself defensively there. But um, I think she's also got a bit of that versatility, you know, and that's clearly what we're looking for in that defence because a few of them now are sort of trying to contribute by, you know, driving up the rings, um, getting some assists in even. So, yeah, I think she fits in well um, and I would like to see her start in, um, you know, most games, to be honest. Yeah, I agree. Um, In the 56th minute, Bristol City came exceptionally close to equalising. A shot was fired towards goal, but cleared off the line by Azmita Ale before Lisa Weiser clutched the ball gratefully. Now, Aston Villa came right up to the other end of the pitch and and put the game further out of Bristol's reach just two minutes later as Sharnia Hales buried the ball from a tight angle. You know, it was a a very, very strong goal from Sharnia. Uh, Gemma Davies' side picked up a third goal ten minutes later as the first two goal scorers combined. Sharnia Hales raced towards the left-hand post before placing the ball perfectly at the far post for Ramona Petzelberger to slide home for a brace. Uh, Villa's first change of the evening came 15 minutes before time as Marissa Ewers was replaced by Emily Soim and just a minute after that Sharnia Hales picked up her second of the game driving an effort into the far corner from the left hand side. Now, Sharnia has picked up her first two women's Super League goals of the season and, and you know Ramona's bagged a brace herself. Have you been impressed with with Petzelberger so far? Yeah, I'm really starting to like her, actually. I think she works hard. Uh, she was in the right place at the right time for both of those goals. So um, they were both well set up for her. But if nobody's there, it's worth nothing, is it? So, you know, we need somebody with that timing, that awareness, that speed. Um, and, you know, she bagged two goals in a game. Hopefully we'll see more of that in the future. And th- this is a goal that we see quite a lot from, from Gemma Davies' side. Um, and I don't know whether it's it's a tactical thing from Gemma Davies, whether it's it's something that we'll, we're going to see more often in the women's game, but the, the amount of times that we're kind of attacking one post and we, we kind of pull the defence towards that player or, or pull the keeper towards that post and then square the ball pretty much across the goal mouth for someone to, to poke in at the opposite post... It's something that we're seeing an awful lot this season, and it's something we saw quite a lot in the, in the championship as well. Uh, so I don't I don't know whether it's it is a tactical thing or whether they're just playing to, perhaps to their to their advantage. I, I don't know what what to make of it really. I don't know. It looks like clever play when you're watching it, and it is funny seeing how it's the second time we've mentioned that there have been almost identical goals in the same game. 
Um, so, you know, maybe it is planned, but whatever it is, it, it is working. Yeah, it is. And, you know, you, you, you can't kind of, whilst it might be hard to get your, your head around to, to understand why they're perhaps targeting those pieces of play so often, you, you can't complain when it, it's, you know, picking your points. Um, what do you think about, about Shawnee Hales? You know, she's still so young, but she, she looks like she's going to play such an important role this season. She wasn't starting games early on it was it was Stina Larson that was leading the line but for the past couple of games it's been all Sharnia yeah she looks really bright really keen to finish off some of those chances that she wasn't quite able to do against Man U um I think she had a few opportunities on down that left hand side um like we talked about with Symes and then she just kept going until those goals came in so hopefully that's given her a bit of a boost now um you know she'll realize that she does deserve that place in the starting 11 and I'm really looking forward to seeing a bit more from her so um is it the same for you were they your standout performers Sharnia and um Petzelberger uh, yeah, I would probably say so. I'm, I'm, I am quite interested with with Sharnia because she wasn't the the kind of number one striker or the perhaps the number nine rather in the championship. That was Melissa Johnson, and obviously she was let go in the summer to to obviously a load of fans shock. Um, but you know, Sharnia's really stepping up this season, and you know she did have. A number of games towards the end of last season where she was she was scoring in the championship, but you know for me I didn't perhaps expect her to to be able to make the step up as well as she had. So she she's kind of proved me wrong, and I'm 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 happy to eat my words there. Yeah, there was that um there was that gap to fill, wasn't there? You know, we lost our um top goal scorer, so I think we're sort of finding that position as a team. A lot of the goals are coming from different people each game, so um maybe she's just sort of you know, realise there is that goal-scoring spot that needs to be filled. Um, and, yeah, she's taken to it so well. Yeah, I completely agree. You know, it's it's very interesting that you say that we're, we're scoring goals from from almost every area, you know. in uh, I, I can't remember who we were playing. Um, was it Reading, I think? No, it wasn't Reading. It, I can't remember who it was, but it was um, it was a Santi's goal. And, obviously, you, you consider... Yes, yeah, yeah, it was Brighton. Um, Asante's goal, She she's obviously a defender or a defensive midfielder. And, you know, you don't really... Whenever, you know, you, you're playing, like, perhaps football manager or something, you get these press conferences and it goes like, oh, it's a collector's item for, for this player to have scored. And, and you know, that's that's the kind of... Or those are the kind of goals, rather, that you need in, in the top flight. Um, you need centre-backs to chip in with goals sometimes. You need midfielders, uh, central midfielders, perhaps, to, to chip in more often. And, you know, Ramona Petzelberger's doing that. Granted, she's more of an attacking midfielder. But we're getting goals from every area of the pitch. And another player I was impressed with was Emma Follis. She picked up three assists in this game. And, you know, I thought that she's she struggled a bit at times this season, but this game was almost a don't underestimate me underestimate me statement from, from the childhood Villa fan. And it was a, a strong game from her, really, wasn't it? Yeah, for sure. It was definitely a great response from her. Like you said, I think um, she was 
subbed off quite early in the United game. Um, so she's really proven her worth again. And I like having her on the pitch. She's our go-to player for set pieces. And there's some great moments that have come from her that, you know, loads of the fans remember over the past couple of seasons. So, yeah, it's great that um, she managed to bag herself three assists and hopefully get her foot in again um, and we'll see more of her. I likened her, um, I don't know whether it was within within an older podcast or or in a piece of writing, but I likened her to, to being basically the, the, the poster girl for, for Aston Villa women, very much like the Jack Grealish of the women's side. Um, you know, she's a childhood Villa fan. Granted, she's not spent her entire career at the club, but she has that kind of level that she can play at that, that can kind of bring her teammates up to match um i remember going to boldmere last season and and i think it was the first game of the season uh obviously her uh, her league debut for the side and we caught it on camera we were recording the game and she was just breezing past sheffield united women players and there was one nutmeg that was just absolutely sublime i think you know she's She's a very good player, and I think she has perhaps struggled once or twice, maybe even more than that this season. So it is good to see her picking up three assists in this in this Bristol City game. Yeah, I think the squad's been it's been quite heavily rotated this season. Maybe because we've got a lot of cup games going on. Um, you know, there's also been things with isolation issues there. Um, but you know, everyone's competing for their shirt at the moment, and I think um, that's just proven her performance. Um, you know, with the three assists, it's proven what a bit of competition can do for you. Um, so, yeah, it, it's great. Hopefully we'll um, see her starting again. And I don't mind. Um, I think she was subbed off for um, Diana Silva, who I also really like. And I think she's just had quite quite a successful um, international break with Portugal. She got an assist for them, I remember, Um and, yeah, I think she's a bright spark as well. So, um, you know, we've got choices and, you know, that's only a good thing, really. Yeah, Silver always seems to me like one of those one of those players that's a little bit of a rocket. You know, they're, they're pacey, they're able to get past their, their defenders and, and, and kind of beat, beat their, their opposition, basically. But the, the one thing that I've been struggling with with Diana Silver is she kind of gets herself into these positions but doesn't have that final product yet. Um, at least for Aston Villa women anyway but you know she's certainly one to keep an eye on for the future and, and hopefully she'll be able to kind of raise her game to, to to the level that we're perhaps expecting from her Yeah definitely, I can see why um, Davis is using her as an impact sub at the moment, you know she brings so much energy and life to the game um, sort of later on and hopefully you know with all that energy she can maybe burst through a defence that's a bit, bit tired out and get that goal that she needs yeah, I completely agree with that. How how important do you think it was to be a fellow relegation candidate so emphatically? Really important, yeah. The um the three points is one thing, but then also stopping another team getting those three points is a bonus. So we've talked about the Super League being quite a small league before. Um so it's practically split in two, just the title contenders at the top and then the relegation battle at the bottom so you know who knows how important this win will be down the line and we 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 played a third game just this past weekend and it's the final game that we'll be covering in this podcast uh, which was another winnable affair against a side that have been struggling near the bottom this season and that and that's Tottenham Hotspur um 
And it didn't get off to the greatest starts, really, did it? Uh, Spurs took the lead with a penalty after Alex Morgan was felled in the box and then she stepped up to place home the resulting uh, penalty. You know, it must be annoying to concede such an early foul and, and such an early goal. But I'd, rather than the goal, I'd like to focus on Alex Morgan. It, it's such a huge signing for Spurs in the short term. But how important for signing is, is she for the Women's Super League? I think it's huge. I mean, she's so famous. She's probably better than the rest of the Spurs side put together, to be honest. You know, she's (laughs) one of the names that people tend to know in women's football, especially after that World Cup celebration. Um, I'm sure some of our players were, you know, really honoured to be playing against her. Um, And she's not the only big signing we've had this year. Um, I think... Uh, Lucy Bronze, she came to Manchester City, Pernell Harder to Chelsea, um, and it just indicates the level of prestige that this league has at the moment. Um, so, yeah, it's it's looking like it's going to be really exciting, um, the fact that they've chosen England as the next stage in their careers. And it's great as well to have some examples of incredibly successful international footballers for women and girls in the UK to potentially go and watch soon. I, I do think it is interesting, you know, because, f- for example, you, you, well, not for example, you, England and, and the WSL aren't necessarily seen as the, the strongest league or the strongest teams in women's football. You know, you've you've seen uh, Lyon dominating European women's football for, for years on, you know, and it, it's every year that it's happening. So for, you know, obviously Lucy Bronze uh, left Leon this summer for, for a new challenge, but for, like Harder, Harder's one of the best forwards in, in the world. Why isn't she going to a team like Leon and, and picking a team like Chelsea instead? Um, is it is there more exposure in the women's game in in the UK? I I don't I don't know, but it is very interesting to see the likes of these players opting to come over to the WSL. Yeah, of course. I mean, it's the players. You're thinking, what's their motivation? But then also, it reflects the club's motivation. So you know, Chelsea, they're setting their ambitions. Um, they've set the standard now, um, and she'll probably attract more players for them in the future as well. Yeah, I, I agree, and you know, with with Alex Morgan, it's very much um, it's almost like one of those deals in in the men's game that you see with the MLS, where the MLS off seasons on, and you know, there's a star player, perhaps a, a Carlos Vela or or someone like that, and they'll they'll loan them, well, they'll be loaned out to a, a team perhaps in the Championship or the lower end of the Premier League to kind of keep fitness uh, and get more game time, and or perhaps even keep developing if they're young enough. So Alex Morgan's um move is, is very similar to that you know obviously she's she's just um recently given birth in the you know within the last couple of months um so her move to Spurs is very much a a way of kind of getting her back to that level that that she'll she'll be expected of um in the American game Yeah it does make sense I think without any context it's it you would wonder why she's spending a season at Spurs um but you know I'm sure they're over the moon to have her um especially for the fans as well the Spurs fans I um watched the highlights of that game on YouTube actually just to refresh and um the comments they're just all about Alex Morgan you know they're so excited um and that's what a player of of her quality can bring you know it makes people excited about the WSL 
how how far do you think Villa are from a, a signing like this? You know, there's there's a lot of investment going into into Villa women, but you know we've signed international level players. But how far do you think we are from from signing one of those players that you, that you know perhaps people that don't follow the women's game will go? Actually, I've I've heard of her. Um, I think we'll just have to like settle into the league, I suppose, sort of establish ourselves as like um, you know a team that's here to stay. Uh, I think that's, you know, the main goal for us over the next couple of seasons. Um, Would you agree with that? Yeah, I would. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if if we stayed up this season and then it it kind of came next summer. Um, You know, we've got the the riches to do it and it's just about kind of convincing the player at that point, I suppose. Um, And, you know, when I say the riches to do it, the... I think uh, Penilla Harder was was the the transfer record, and that's like two hundred two hundred fifty thousand. You know at, at that that small change to our owners who are splashing you know thirty odd million on on Ollie Watkins. Um, so for for us to be able to kind of bring in that level of talent, we just need to kind of hit the 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 level in the league and and ensure that we can kind of convince the player first. Once that's coming, I I have no doubt that we'll kind of bring a higher calibre or a higher calibre name rather. Yeah, I agree. I think we've got the resources. Um, we just need to show the world that, you know, we've got that ambition um, and we can take players there. Yeah, I agree. Um, Nadine Hansen equalised for Villa just 10 or so minutes later with an absolute rocket of a shot from distance. If you haven't seen it, do go back onto onto Twitter or onto YouTube to see it. It was a, a peach of a goal. Um, and we've spoken about Hansen in the previous podcast and how she may be able to take her form from the Conti Cup. Obviously, she scored a hat-trick in that game. Um, it... it Looks like she's been able to do exactly that, really, doesn't it? Yeah, um, you predicted it. And, um, I mean, even on the losing side, she's starting to get a little run of getting on the school sheet. So, yeah, hopefully it will be part of a win next time. Um, It was a mistake from Spurs, uh, but that doesn't take away what she did with it. She saw an opportunity, she saw the keeper was off her line, and she went for the lob. We need to be taking advantages of slip-ups like that, the same way that teams have done against us this season. Um, And I'm glad it was her who intercepted because she pulled off the shot perfectly. I think um, it's interesting the amount of goal scorers we've had, like we said earlier. Um, You know, it hasn't been totally dominated by one striker. They're all looking really eager to contribute. And Hansen's definitely one of those. So, yeah, it's promising going into West Ham. While I do agree with you, it's so good that we're we're kind of getting goals from different areas of the pitch. Does it then become an issue that we don't have that person leading the line? You know, um, I I don't know what the the top scorer kind of table looks like in the WSL at the moment, but is it perhaps an issue that we don't have that kind of standout number nine? Yeah, I I would prefer that. Um, I'm just thinking in terms of the mentality of the team. All of the players are so keen to contribute. Um, so that's the positive I'm taking away from it. Okay, okay. Spurs took the lead again 10 minutes before the end of the first half as Alex Morgan's delivery from Wide was bundled into the Aston Villa net. It was a poor goal to concede, really, and, and it's the kind of goal that Villa need to be cutting out if they are to win games like this. What are your thoughts on that that goal? Yeah, I think these goals are a bit typical of teams that are both near the bottom of the table, you know, desperate for a point. Things can get quite scrambly near the goal. 
and that's what seemed to happen in this case. Um, but it could have been stopped. We had people in the right places to stop it. Um, the keeper was there. One of our defenders was there. I'm not sure who, but yeah, it was a frustrating one to give away. And then Spurs obviously scored a third goal um, just after the O mark as Ayane uh, added to the score sheet. Now Villa had their chances in this game, but it was a relatively poor one from from both sides that didn't really warrant the score line with which it finished. Um, obviously next up is West Ham United just days before Christmas and it's another very winnable game for Villa whilst it's a winnable game is it a must win game? I think so Um, we need to get something from it at least because West Ham they're only a point ahead of us I believe at the moment so to give them three points would see them out of touching distance really Um, and if you look at how close it is between a few of us um, a win would really make a big difference so yeah I'd love to end this year a couple of places clear of the drop um, and I'm sure it would set us off on the right foot in the new year Um, how are you feeling about it does it feel like a significant game for you as well? Yeah, I think so, you know, I think every winnable game feels significant and it, it does for, for any team that you kind of support, even a national team, you know, if you if you see perhaps um, a World Cup, a World Cup group stage game and you, you've drawn someone like Estonia, you know, that's a winnable game. If, you, if you're going to draw or lose that, then you're going to be disappointed with the result. And I think... <clears throat> Whilst West Ham are in the position they are, they're still a very strong team, and I wouldn't be surprised if we were we were going to draw or we were going to lose. But it is one of those games that you can kind of take the upper hand in and 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 come home with three points. Yeah, and that's what we need to be doing really. Any game that seems winnable, they're all just so significant in this league. That's the one thing that um, you know. It's a thought I can't escape this season. You know, every game it feels like. Oh, this could be the one that makes a difference, you know. <laughs> yeah, I agree, and that that's every game when you you're kind of involved in a relegation battle. And whilst I don't, I I don't have that kind of feeling where I'm I'm scared of us being relegated because I do feel like Bristol City are kind of sitting ducks this this season. I think in in the form that they're in, they they're not going to be able to kind of lift themselves out of that relegation spot, but. I think you know we've we've got to kind of end the season on a higher feel. Uh, end the season, end end the year on a higher feel. Yeah, I agree. Getting a bit ahead of ourselves there, but yeah, um, <laughs> I feel confident as well. Um, but yeah, it's always just sensible to watch those around us, isn't it? Yeah, obviously. Um, now, be, before we talk about a bit of the off the pitch stuff, I just want to I just want to talk quickly about Jodie Hutton. Now, <clears throat> she's probably one of the names that if you if you spoke to um, a, a an Aston Villa fan that doesn't follow the women's game, that they'll, they'll likely have heard of. Obviously, there was such a big deal about her signing the the, the first professional contract of the kind of. Perslow and and uh, Severus and Eden's era, um, and you know she's still so young, but should we be expecting to see more from Hutton? Obviously, last season she was kind of utilized more of a of a wing back. Um, she's been used as a winger and and even as a centre back uh, at times this season. Um, you know, do we do we need more from Hutton? Do do we need to expect more from her? Yeah, I suppose it's hard. Um, you know, being played all over the pitch, feels like every club has that 
player that you know just gets utilized all over the place you know they're they're James Milner that just um it's sort of hard to establish yourself as like you know this is my spot this is my shirt um but you know she is so young like you said she's she's one that's come through the ranks and got that first contract and you know I do hope that we see a bit more of her I think she's she's coming on as a sub at the moment isn't she um and hopefully you know one of those chances she just takes them makes her impact and then she can just sort of secure her spot yeah I mean she 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 has been quite up and down and it it was a Conti Cup game I think she won a penalty and and scored the resulting penalty and Gemma Davies came out and said you know uh, that that was the Jodie we're used to seeing um but since that game we haven't been able to to see that Jodie and yeah like you said it's very much because she's been utilized as a sub at the moment and you kind of can't get into the swing of things you can't showcase what you're all about when you're coming off the bench sometimes I do think it's an interesting one because you know um, I think I think Villa women perhaps I think it was the Bristol game um, they they posted the lineup and someone had said um, no Hutton they haven't got a clue and you know it was it was evidently someone that doesn't follow this side but they knew who Hutton was um, and whether that's saying something about about how much they're kind of they've kind of shared stuff about her on social media or whether that's saying that something about her level of skill, you know, it, we don't know, but we, we need to see more from her and it's not necessarily her fault. Yeah. She's just the one that you sort of root for, isn't she? Um, I think, you know, just, um, how special it was for her, that contract and how big, um, the publicity was around her when she signed that contract. It sort of set expectations quite high. Um, which wasn't her fault, obviously. Um, but yeah, I would like to see her sort of um, live up to that, if you will. Um, you know, she is so young. She's got so much time to sort of show that potential. But, um, you know, we sort of need it at the moment. So it'd be great if she could sort of um, offer that to us at the moment. Um, yeah, hopefully we'll, we'll see more. Um Maybe if she does start, she'll have a better opportunity to do that. But at the same time, Gemma Davis, she can't really be taking risks at the moment. So, yeah, it's a difficult one. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. Now, off the pitch, Aston Villa women have announced a partnership with Mondelay International, the owners of Cadbury, who will be supporting the club initiatives and their students of the game programme. How important is this partnership? And, and how much of a sign is it that, that Aston Villa are such an important fabric of the club as a whole since Perslow and the new owners came in? Yes, yeah, so I had a little look into it, actually. Um, it's really recent news, isn't it? A few days old. And, um, yeah, it sounds really positive, this new partnership. Um, one of the big things that I think is holding women's football back is the fact that it's not sustainable as a career. So even at the very top level, women aren't earning that ridiculous amount of money in the same way that the men are. So, you know, whatever your thoughts are on that, it means that when female players reach the end of their careers they do need other avenues to go into so there's a big emphasis on that at the moment with the leadership program um the Jules careers model I think that it will make football more accessible for young players that perhaps they don't have that financial stability to risk a career in sport so I really welcome the um the support from Cadbury's their owners with that do you think this is very much a kind of move from from Enia Luko as obviously director of football at the club? You know, she's she's 
been there. She's finished her career, and and granted, she was, you know, highly educated before before her career and during her career, and and she's kind of been able to almost step into a role within a football club, but. Do you think she's realised that you know if she if she wasn't that that well educated and she wasn't in those positions that she's found herself in that you know players like her when they come to the end of her, their career could you know suffer? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think you know it's it's good to have someone like her um, high up in the ranks um, that's had the experience and you know she knows what it's like. She's seen other players, maybe what they've chosen to do in life, and. Um, you know, it will make a big difference, I hope, in the future, um, that it doesn't feel like, you know, a, a short-term job that, you know, you'll need to rethink when you sort of start to get a bit older um, and a bit less fit. You know, this is something that can really set you up for the future. So, you know, you aren't just thinking, am I throwing, um, you know, other career avenues away? Um, yeah, I think it's really, really positive. Um, what do you think? Where do you think it's come from? Do you think it's that idea of like sustainability, the same as me? Yeah, I, I think so. I think you know it is. It is as you said, so important to ensure that these ladies can kind of have a successful career in football, but also have a successful career following that. Um, and you know, with the women's game, there's so much more. I guess avenues to end a career um, and not all of them are good obviously you can retire but the, you know the the ACL injuries in women's football are, are exceedingly high and you know they're, they're repetitive as well we saw Kerry Welsh I think she suffered with three during her time at Aston Villa um, that can end a player's career and if they've not got something to fall back on then that that's you know a precarious position to be in so I think it's so important that you know these these players and especially the ones in the in the talent center you know when they're they're young they're 15 16 17 um they have these kind of uh, options to to kind of seek out these these qualifications and these career paths whilst doing something that they love and they could potentially become a, a professional footballer but at the same time if it falls through or if they have their career and then retire they've got something to fall back on and that's that's the most important thing yeah exactly because you know they're not making three hundred thousand pounds a week you know they can't just you know put it away in savings and think you know i'll i'll just have my career in football and then you know live off the money i've made in the same way that you know men in the absolute top top um top of the game can do um, so I think it definitely makes it more attractive to girls that are thinking about, you know, pursuing football and it might just give them that extra push. So yeah, hopefully we'll see an increase in popularity. I know that, um, the homegrown rules coming in, um, so maybe that will benefit from it as well. Um, so yeah, I think we're like really setting the foundations for the WSL and just wider women's football for the future. And that's always a positive thing, and I think that's probably the best place to end this week's podcast on a positive note like that. If you have enjoyed it, please do leave us a review on whatever platform you're listening on or a follow if you can't leave a review. Um, Give us some feedback on social media. We do appreciate it. If you'd like to follow us on social media, you can do so on Twitter at VillaLamp, on Facebook forward slash under a gaslit lamp, and on Instagram at under a gaslit lamp. Thanks for listening, guys, and up the villa.